I like flowers, especially these. There's a story behind them. It's a real privilege to be here at home this morning. And allow me the privilege of wishing to you a Merry Christmas. And you may wish to me a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all of our friends who are listening on the radio. And uh, we just want to share from our hearts this morning. Tell you a little bit about some of our journey uh, in serving the Lord as your missionaries. A year ago, we were in Zambia right before Christmas. And you see the Christmas tree. They do Christmas big time in Zambia. They are a Christian nation in Zambia, unashamedly. Much of our work with Jaron Ministries is with the indigenous, the national pastor of continuing education for them. So we were in Zambia for a pastor's conference and a ladies' conference. And one privilege that I had was the um, ministry group that we were helping, they had a personal ministry of every Sunday afternoon going to the local national cancer ward at the hospital for children. And they asked me if I would go and present the gospel that week. Every week they presented the gospel because they weren't sure who was going to be there the next week. And uh, I had the great privilege of presenting, of taking flannel graph with me. I'm a flannel graph person. Taking flannel graph with me and presenting flannel graph story. And we had eight children accept the Lord that day. It was a Amen. very special day. Last January, last February, March, we took 10 of our students from Shasta Bible College to India. And we went and visited a children's home, a ministry, and one of the things we got to do was a pastor's conference. Now, this young man here is one of our students. His name is um, Nathaniel Cook, but he also goes by Bubba. And the kids loved Bubba. He had one on either hand everywhere he went. Everyone got to share their testimony. I got to help with a ladies' conference. Dan spoke at a pastor's retreat. In that couple of weeks, we spoke to about 4,300 people uh, in various contexts. Incredible opportunity for ministry. We drilled a water well. I preached on John chapter 4 in a Hindu village. Hindus, Muslims, and Christians gathered together. The well was put on a church property with the understanding that anyone is, and everyone was welcome at any time to come and draw the water. And we made the point the water that we need is really the, the water of life that comes from Jesus, as in John chapter 4. And interestingly, as we were telling the story, a woman came with double pots on top of her head to receive the first water of one of the villagers. And she said, thank you so much. I have spent most of my day going back and forth to a distant well for my family. Now it's right here in my village. Thank you. You were a part of that. That's exciting to see uh, a practical ministry that you are a part of. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of it too. Another part of that ministry of that trip was working at a medical clinic and every person that came through uh, wanted to be prayed for, and they wanted to make sure that they were prayed for. So our students got involved. We also, um, of course, had flannel graph under the tree for the kids waiting. There's Bubba praying with somebody. 
And everything was set up right next door to a church. This was a little church. Dan wants to tell you about the pastor of this church. This little church is a rebuild. It was, the previous church was torn to the foundation. The radical Hindus came in and just tore it down and told the preacher, get out of town or we're going to kill you. So he left. Well, then another little preacher by the name of Georgie developed a heart for this, and he went to uh, the head of the, children, of, of, the, of the mission, and he said, God has placed this, this village on my heart. And uh, the head of the mission said, do you realize how dangerous this is? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, would you take my children in the children's home and give them an education, but my wife and I are going to go there and reestablish this church. The funds were re-raised for this church from churches right here, some of our sister and churches you would know in Redding and Red Bluff area. Uh, and their names are on a, a placard outside of the church. That was wonderful to see. His name is Georgie. Georgie is a bold and fearless witness for Jesus Christ. Uh, he just loves to share the gospel and uh, on the church, uh, if you looked closely, there's some big megaphone speakers. Well, he, he got the idea from the Hindus who have big megaphone churches on their temple and they blast the community with uh, the Hindu message and with Hindu songs and everything. And so George said, if they can do it, I can do it. So he put them on top of the church and he preaches the gospel from his little church, uh, blast out devotions and scripture and music. Well, the Hindus didn't like this too much, so they came to Georgie. Now, Georgie is about 110 pounds on a good day, and they said to Georgie, get rid of the speakers or we're going to get rid of you. And Georgie looked him square in the face and he said, when you get rid of your speakers, I'll get rid of my speakers. And that's it. Well, they didn't know how to handle somebody like this. <laughs> uh, and he's still preaching the gospel. And old Georgie, he still has a heart for other people. And he goes from village to village, and people notice that. And they said, well, Georgie needs a little help. So they got him a bicycle. And he could go even farther and talk to even more people. And then somebody thought, well, that speaker idea works so good. Uh, I think we'll get Georgie some uh, a portable uh, microphone system, uh, audio system for his bicycle. So that was dangerous because Georgie rides with one hand and preaches the gospel as he travels along and goes from village to village and is just unashamed. And here's uh, somebody gave him an audio Bible that he could play over his sound system. Now, there's an interesting thing about Georgie. He's illiterate. Georgie can't read or write. Well, how does he preach? Well, his wife reads the scriptures to him. He memorizes the scripture. He has memorized enough scripture. He can correlate scripture with scripture. He asks questions. He works with his wife, and he preaches his heart out in the name of Jesus Christ at the peril of his life. So, it's an amazing thing, the people that we have the opportunity to meet, and whatever encouragement we are, through you allowing us and helping us to go, we are more encouraged by the people that we meet, and I hope that encourages you as well. Linda? Most recently, we went to Nepal with Brother Gan Pantha from right here in Reading, and um, we had the opportunity to do some pastor conferences, and I got to speak to the ladies for the first time. They'd had a, lady con a ladies' conference. I, of course, took my flannel graph. 
And was, Linda had the opportunity to present the gospel to over 300 children, half of which had never been in a church before. It was a very special privilege to be there. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. This, this is Christ the King. The babe, the son of Mary. When I was the age of some of the little ones here, third grade, uh, it was discovered that I could sing. And I already knew I could sing because I'd gotten in trouble for singing in class. In fact, I got the dunce hat put on me and put in the corner for singing in class in second grade. But somebody saw that as not so much a problem, but a blessing in the third grade. And the first solo I ever sang before a group was before my hometown. And the memories of this song are incredibly precious because my mother tutored me in this song and help me to memorize the words and to sing it when I was in the third grade. Moms play a great part in our lives, don't they? How many of you this morning are indebted to the faith of a believing mother for what you believe, for who you are? Many of us have touched, have been touched by moms and dads. And of course, the greatest father of all and the only perfect father is our Father who is in heaven, and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the story of their love revealed to us is a mother, a very special lady by the name of Mary. And I'd invite you this morning to look with me in Luke's gospel. Now, Luke's gospel is a wonderful gospel written uh, by a doctor very educated man. The Greek that is employed in this presentation of the life of Jesus Christ is the most sophisticated Greek of all of the Greek in the New Testament. Special and specific words are used that someone of a great deal of education would, would use. Uh, it was written, this gospel was written, as you will see earlier in the first chapter, to a man by the name of Theophilus. And Theophilus is addressed as most excellent Theophilus by the Dr. Luke, which implies that he was a man of titles, a man of letters, 
a man with authority. Exactly what that was, we don't know, but he was most excellent Theophilus, and it was written by Luke to this man. It's a personal letter, and it was written to give him a record from the beginning of the life of Jesus through his earthly ministry to his ascension into heaven and his triumph over sin and over the grave from the beginning to the end, written to set in order, in an orderly fashion, based upon eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony. And this story, this gospel, this record has stood the test of 2,000 years of time. And among Earth's population, because of this story and the other inspired words of God in Scripture, people have come to faith from every position and every place and around the world. And it is inc an incredible thing. There are 7 billion people on the face of the earth. Do you realize that 2.5 billion people name the name of Jesus Christ in some sense or another? because of the testimony that is here in Scripture. What we have in our hands in our Bible is an incredibly precious thing. Now, in that story is the story of a mom. We don't have time to delve into it all, but I want to point you to that mother, a very special woman, and I want to point you to her faith, a faith that is worth following today. A faith that is worth investigating and evaluating and thinking about it in terms of your own personal life, if you've never done that before. And a, and a faith to think about and to reinforce, especially in this Christmas time. But I want to think about that faith from her very own words. In chapter 1, in verse 40, 46, and Mary said, Luke chapter 1, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Now, she wasn't being arrogant. She was merely reflecting the words of the angel that appeared her to her previously in the chapter, and she was affirming her belief in what he had told her. Verse 49, For he that is mighty hath done great to me, great things to me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. God is at work in this world. And he settles scores. But he pours out mercy. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. 
of his mercy. Notice that there's something repeated in verse 50, the word mercy. In verse 54, the word mercy. Always pay attention to things that are repeated in Scripture because they have a point. We'll get to it. And he spoke, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. God's a God of promise. He keeps his promises, my friends. And the Bible is full of them. Not just for nations and not just for his plan for the future, but for you and you and you. God has a plan for each of our lives. And he has filled his word with promises for you about meeting your needs, about helping you through life and difficult times, and about eternal life that is to come if we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of all who will trust in him, the Savior of the world. And Mary abode with her, that is, with Elizabeth, for three months and returned to her own house from Judah up to Galilee and Nazareth, where she had journeyed from. Let's pray together. Father, give us insight into this passage about this mother of faith, whose faith is worth exploring, worth following, worth considering, and worth making our own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Notice the first thing about Mary's faith. And Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord. She lifted up the Lord. She worshiped him as you worshiped him this morning, singing those carols. I sense that you believe what you sang. Did you? Say amen. amen. There's a precious truth that we sang. And we lifted up the Lord. We exalted him. Mary worshiped faithfully. Her faith was a worshipful faith, a faith full of worship. Her God was a big God, and she needed a big God because a story had called, as an angel had come and told her a big story. Now, it was a true story, but it was a story nonetheless to a very young woman. Young women got married. Girls got married. We would call them in our culture at about 14 and a little bit older. So Mary was perhaps as young as 14 years of age and somewhere in there with a little change. We don't know exactly. But undoubtedly, she would have been a young woman. And when the angel told her, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be the Savior and it's going to be great, she goes, hold the phone. Wait a minute. How can this be? I've never known a man. Now, she was engaged, but she had never known her future husband in a knowing kind of way, biblically speaking. And the angel said, Mary, Mary, with God all things, for with God nothing shall be impossible. With God nothing shall be impossible. Consider your relative, your relative Elizabeth. She's expecting a baby. Now, whether Mary knew that or not, we don't know at this point. Elizabeth lived a considerable distance from Mary. Mary was in Nazareth. Elizabeth 
was in Judah, and it's, you know, a good bit of distance between the two places, and they didn't have the internet, and they didn't have telephones, and, you know, but maybe she'd heard, maybe she hadn't heard, but Elizabeth was an older lady past the age of bearing children. Now, it was a double miracle because her husband, Zacharias, was an old dude too. And the angel actually in that story earlier in the same chapter appeared to Zacharias while he was doing duty in the temple and said, you know, your prayers are answered. You're going to have a son, and he's going to be incredibly special. He's going to be the forerunner, the official announcer of the coming of the Messiah. And uh, Zacharias says, uh, you know, okay. And he listened to that story and listened to that story and thought about that story. And the more he thought about it, the more the angel talked, the more impossible it seemed. And the angel said, okay, zap. Zap what? Zap. You aren't going to talk until the baby's born because you didn't believe. And then Zacharias kind of got the message. He believed. He came out. And this is where charades came, uh, came about, the, the game of charades. You ever play it? He comes out from where he was serving in the temple, and it had been a long time there, and people were going, what happened? Did the old dude have a stroke? You know, what, what happened? And he comes out, and he can't talk, and they're sure enough thinking that, but he's going, and, and then he points to her, his wife, and says, and they begin to get the picture. He hasn't lost his marbles. He just can't talk. And she's going to have a baby. Come on. Give us a break. Elizabeth, interestingly enough, went into seclusion for five months, it tells us. Why did she go into seclusion? Probably because, hmm, <laughs> who's going to believe this story until it's very obvious it's not a story? And in the sixth month of her pregnancy with John the Baptist is when Gabriel appeared to Mary. And he said, your cousin is going to have a baby. And Mary says, if that is supposed to prove this to me, I'm going to check it out. So she went and she journeyed and stayed for three months with Elizabeth and probably was taught all kinds of things because Elizabeth was the wife of a priest and the priest probably you know, pointed to some scripture and did some writing uh, to help her understand what was happening to her and the significance of it and then after that three months which was the ninth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy Mary left and went back home to Nazareth, and Elizabeth had a baby. <laughs> and so there we are, with the impossible that is possible because of the bigness of the God that Mary believed in. You face challenges in your life. I face challenges. All things don't go well for us all the time, do they? The question is not how big are your challenges and how big are the obstacles that you face in life. Whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, it's how big is your God. 
And if you worship him and you realize his bigness and you lift him up before yourself and with others, you'll find that the problems diminish in magnitude as the God that you serve increases in greatness. You can trust him this morning. Each one of you face challenges. How many of you face a challenge right now, this year? Yeah. How many of you faced a challenge in the last year? <laughs> yeah. You're going to face more in the year to come. None of us are immune to that. But God's bigger, and God is able. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Verse 47, she says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. The faith that Mary had was a saving faith. She realized she needed a Savior. Mary was not a perfect person. She was a good woman, an incredible woman, a teenager, an incredible teenager. But she wasn't perfect. She needed a Savior by her own confession. She wasn't born without sin, as some would teach. She didn't live without sin, as some would teach. I believe that's well-intentioned what they teach, but it is not revealed in the Bible. No, Mary was a sinner just like all of the rest of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean you're a bad person necessarily, but we're all sinners. We all fall short of God's holiness, God's perfection. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What we can earn for ourselves because of our sinfulness, both in that which we are born with by original sin and that which we each one commit on a pretty regular basis, it puts a distance between us and a holy God. But he loves each and every one of us and wants us to know him in a personal way. But something has to satisfy the justice of the equation. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus is the just one and the justifier, and he satisfied the justice of God when he died on the cross for each and every one of us. Our sins were laid upon him. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How good do you have to be to get to heaven? You have to be as good as God. How is such a thing possible? Only through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. He is the just one and the justifier of each one who will place their trust and faith in him. Mary believed that with all of her heart. And even though she gave birth to him, she worshiped him. And she wondered about these things, but believed them in the depths of her heart. Just as you can, just as you must, just as we believe people around the world need to believe. The Lord has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Again, she was told that by the angel, but she believed it. Doesn't mean she was perfect, but wherever I've gone around the world, there's a respect for Mary. 
And wherever the name of Jesus is known, the name of Mary is known. And it's interesting, I was walking through the airport in Frankfurt some time back, and I saw a young man, and he was carrying a military duffel bag, kind of half dragging it. It was full of stuff, and it kind of caught you. And he was a good-looking, sharp young man, and there's just something about his demeanor that said, I can pick on this guy a little bit. He was obviously Middle Eastern, and so I said, what's in the, what's in the bag, a body? And he looked at me and snapped to attention. He said, no, sir, it is not a body. I am Colonel so-and-so for the Royal Jordanian Air Force, and I have been on mission in Haiti in behalf of the United Nations helping people there. I said, hey, I'm just picking at you. And then he, he saw what I was. But we entered into a most interesting conversation and talked about our faith systems. He said, you know, uh, we Muslims give more honor to Mary than you do as Christians. I said, you do? How so? He said, well, in the Quran, there's a whole chapter that's devoted to the Virgin Mary. I ch I've checked it out since then. That's true. Well, <clears throat> as we talked on, he said, uh, we talked and he says, you know, I have a uh, Muslim father. My name is Ahmed after the prophet. Blessed be his name. But I have a mother and a grandmother who are Christians. And I went, ah, this sounds like the story of Timothy, friends, whose mother and grandmother were Christians. Pray for Ahmed. Pray for his salvation. The seed has been sown in his life, I'm quite sure. Just look for the opportunity to share with people because there are people that need to know Jesus. Mary was a blessed woman. What's the key to being blessed in your life? Jesus gave it to us. It is more blessed to, what did he say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. The key to blessing is giving. But what does it mean to give? Let's put, a, put that in a word that we understand. It means to love. It's interesting as Paul describes love in uh, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he says, love suffers long and is kind, love envies not, love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. What's he saying? When he's defining love, when he's find, defining what it is to be blessed and be a blessing he doesn't do it with uh, a dictionary definition. He, he, he gives a description of love's attitudes and actions and how it engages with real life, with real people. You want to be blessed of God? Love God and love people. It's just that simple. And Mary loved God and loved people and gave of herself. Can you consider what she gave? She gave up her reputation. She gave up her home for a period of time. She gave up the hopes that a mother has of, of, a, of a child growing up and of her uh, living to old age and passing on with, with her child at her bedside. All of those hopes were given up by Mary. And the ridicule and the uh, mistreatment 
And the sorrow, even as Simon in the record says, in giving testimony to who the babe was, he says, a sword shall pierce your own heart. And it's a foreshadowing of Mary at the foot of the cross of Jesus. As a mother's heart was broken, as her son died for us all. She was an incredible woman, and her faith was a faith that was full of blessing for us all. Now, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation, verse 50. Verse 54, he hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. The Hebrew behind this Greek word is a word hesed, and hesed means God's loyal love, his covenant-keeping love, his unconditional love. God is a God of mercy. Mary's faith was a faith that was merciful, full of mercy. She received the mercies of God, and she poured out mercy upon all of us by virtue of her willingness to give birth to Jesus, to raise him. Can you imagine how challenging it was to raise a perfect kid? Now, some of our kids may think they're perfect and may try to talk us into it, but it's pretty quickly true. We realize they're not. And we realize we're not when we're challenged by them at times, too, because we kind of lose it sometimes. But Mary was full of mercy, and she believed in the mercy of God and God's loyal love. And you can believe in that mercy this morning because God desires to pour out mercy and grace upon each and every one of us and upon people around the world. And you believe that, don't you? Amen? That's why you're involved in missions and have been involved in missions as a church. And that's why this church has been engaged in outreach in incredible ways throughout its history and still is involved in outreach to others because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And that involves individual people. But we're going to do something about it, aren't we? When God called me to ministry, I was 16 years of age. I was going towards a career in music and had multiple scholarship offers at various places. But God definitely called me to preach. And one of the men who had invested in my life was the president of the Louisiana Music Educators Association, Mr. Barbie. Mr. Barbie uh, loved me and appreciated my, the, my gifts and talents. He was a Baptist deacon. Mr. Barbie was about 300 pounds he said, you want to really be able to sing and play your, your instrument? you got to eat a lot of spaghetti, son, and get big you know, and strong. And when I told him the Lord had called me to preach, he was kind of sad on one hand, but as a believer in Jesus Christ, he was thrilled. And he said, well, do me one favor, Dan. You're going to preach. I'm going to pray for you. But the one favor I ask of you is this, preach to beat hell, son. He didn't mean that in any kind of profane way. But this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, hell is real. Jesus said more about it than he did about heaven. But the hope, the assurance of eternal life is real because of what we're reading here this morning.
And Mary would point the way to her son, Jesus, to you today. And she would say, believe, believe, trust him. He loves you as he loved me. He loves us all. He came as God and man and lived a perfect life on this earth and then surrendered that life on Calvary's cross, shedding his blood to pay for our sins and was raised from the dead on the third day to prove that he was who he claimed to be and that he accomplished what he set out to accomplish to give his life as a ransom for many, for all including you and including Hamid and including people anywhere and everywhere. Okay, give me the last slide. Linda, have you got it? You know, this story is applicable around the world. You saw me bring in my flowers. These are little crocheted flowers built around a Coke bottle. Uh, and this is a little hat. These were gifts given to us by this young lady pictured here. She's in her late 20s now. Her story is she grew up in a very primitive village in Nepal. Her father was a drunk and abusive. Her mother died. One day she was gathering forage for animals by climbing up a tree and cutting limbs out. She took a spill. She fell from the tree. She broke her uh, leg, her femur. So distant in the village was her situation and so far from medical help and so poor was the family that no help could be gotten for her. An infection entered in. It was expected that she would die. Miraculously, she lived. But the break because it was not properly taken care of, left her a cripple. She could not walk. She could only drag herself around or if there was a wheelchair, be in a wheelchair. It was a hopeless situation. One day a Christian came to her remote village and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and this hopeless little girl realized the love that God had for her and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. The person that came through was just an itinerant, and they left, but her faith remained with her. But her father, who was a drunk and abusive, had married again, and, you know, they didn't, the, the next wife didn't care much for the little girl, and he could care less, and she was an obstacle, and so one night he came to her and said, look, Goma, that's her name, you are, you're a girl. You're sick. You're crippled. And on top of all of that, you have become a Christian. I am going to throw you off of a cliff. You need to die. Somehow, that didn't take place. But she was left in that situation of being so deserted and so helpless. And then some people came and helped hide her away from her father. And then the man who had come through as an itinerant had, was sent for, and he came and he took her. 
And then Children's Rescue Mission heard about her plight and raised the money for the surgery. She's a beautiful young woman now. She walks. She has a heart for Jesus. She's seeking to earn her own way in life, learning how to make flowers <laughs> out of Coke bottles and a little hat. These are precious gifts that she gave to my wife and I. She is a trophy of the mercy and the grace of God. You are a trophy of his mercy and his grace as well. He longs to pour out his love upon you, just as he has upon Goma. Pray for her, won't you? Pray for Ahmed, won't you? And pray that you will realize, and my prayer for you is that you will realize you are loved. You are special. And God has sent you here today to be reinforced and reminded in the love of a mother for a child. And for the child who is the Savior for her and for you and you and you and me. You can know him in a personal way. How do you do that? Believe that Jesus is God and man. Believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins. Believe that you can't save yourself. You're a sinner and can't save yourself. And that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. Ask him to be your Savior. Ask him to come into your life. Then you'll know the Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin, and be assured of the fact that God has a plan for your life, and he will never, never, ever leave you or forsake you. Thank you for allowing me and allowing Linda to share with you this morning.